Welcome to the Human Design and Astrology for a New Paradigm podcast with your host, Heather Mann. Good morning, my friends. This is the Human Design and Astrology for a New Paradigm podcast. My name's Heather, and this is the 22nd episode of the show. Uh, 22nd being my favorite number, so had to do something special for it. Um, so over the last couple of weeks or so since like starting my research project into the human design channels, which I've spoken about on here before, um, and really just like, I guess this podcast is, well, 22 episodes old now. So a few more people are kind of hearing about it. Um, but yeah, I've just been chatting to you guys more on Instagram and Facebook even, and it's just been warming my heart so much. I'm sure I mentioned it last week, but I just want to say again, like, you all are just the sweetest, warmest, like beautiful humans. And you give me so much hope for humanity and really our like where we're going, where we are. Um, so if I ever don't start a podcast by telling you how incredible you are, you can just go ahead and leave me a one-star review. Um, except please obviously don't actually do that because I'm a small new podcast and that would be mean. Um, anyway, so how is the build towards the Scorpio, Scorpio full moon going for everyone? Um, and I say that imagining that little like laughing emoji after that question. I am going to record a little video energy reading for us all over on Instagram, either this afternoon or um, tomorrow, because I think the full, yeah, the full moon is actually tomorrow. So um, I won't go too deeply into the energetics of that here because we do have a lot to speak about today. Um, and really important stuff, but really with, with the build towards this full moon, I mean, this moon is like aspecting 90% of my chart, having most planets in Scorpio and, um, yeah, but essentially I barely got out of bed yesterday. I deleted the Instagram app for the day. Um, and basically except for replying to emails, I just took a day off everything except for sitting around and reading Harry Potter. Um, and I'm back up to the fourth book now. So I've been rocketing through them lately and I am about to be looking for book recommendations. So anything with a kind of witchy, like magical fiction essence, um, please let me know um, any of your recommendations. My mom has recommended Terry Pratchett, like anything by him to me about every single day since I moved, moved back home with her. Um, but I'm just so reluctant because I feel like for some things, I'm still in that 16-year-old not wanting to like something just because my mom says I will like it phase for certain things. Um, I definitely grew out of that for some some things. But when it comes to books and movies, I still have this idea that if I read or watch what my mom likes, I'll suddenly age 30 years or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's that like teenage resistance. It's still there. Um, anyway, so yesterday, like my mind, it was very nattery, like like go record your podcast, you know, record that reading that you need to um, record and it, at least like read a book that has something to do with astrology and not just Harry Potter. Like my body um, on the other hand was just like, no. And it really took all of my strength um, to listen to my body over my mind, like to kind of put the signals my body was sending me first when all this like nattering and should, should, should was like going off in my mind. And I feel like this is a super important point to raise uh, for all of us going through this deconditioning process. Like 
human design really is all about embodiment. That's what it is. It is like, it's called a body graph, the human design thing. It's like a map of your energetic body. So it's like rejoining your body to make decisions and use your energy in the way that it was designed to be used. And our body is speaking to us all the time, but we let the mind speak over it because the mind can be so punishing and volatile. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, as humans, like if our bodies hurt, if our bodies get exhausted, if our bodies get tired, you know, we're just like, oh, well, I'll just push through, you know, I'll just push through. But the mind, like the mind's punishment, it's really different. It's like, you're awful. It's like it, it, our mind knows how to hurt us. And so when we don't listen to these like, you know, shoulds and have tos of the mind, it's a lot harder for us to ignore, I think, than what our body's trying to tell us. So we sort of give in to those shoulds and have tos of the mind, even when our body's like literally being dragged around um, and we don't have the energy to do the things that our mind keeps telling us that we should or have to do. Uh, <clears throat> so I guess without really intending to, I've div- dove straight into what I was going to speak about today anyway, um, which is really all about realigning and re-uncovering and reattuning to your intuition using human design and astrology as a kind of map. Um, and honestly, this is what it's all about. Like we're going to go a little bit deeper than just, you know, looking at things or aspects in the charts, you know, so yes, we can say gate 57 is the most intuitive gate, um, in the human design chart. And we're going to look into these things later. A lot of these things, you know, the spleen being the center of intuition, um, Neptune in astrology, a lot of Scorpio in astrology. But before we can really think about the indicators of intuition and psychic ability and all those different like clairs, you know, like clairsentient, clairaudient, clairvoyant, um, where they come from in the chart, uh, we really need to address a few really important topics, um, which we really can't ignore when we talk about any of these things and especially relating it to human design and astrology. So The first thing is that everybody has intuitive and psychic ability Um, and especially now, like in the world that we're living in now, uh, the wall between the worlds is becoming less and less thick and I know a lot of you listening are going to have felt that and experienced that. We're becoming much more aware of the way that energy moves around us, um, the way that we exchange energy with the world around us. You know, there's less density and more energy. And you can think about this as our shift from third density consciousness into fifth density consciousness, which there are so many resources to read about um, or watch on YouTube uh, if you want to learn more about what that means or just simply this evolution that we are moving into the new paradigm. And, you know, in the new paradigm, we're, we're all less solid, less rigid, and we can all read the energy that's moving through people around us, through ourselves, through nature and through spirit. And this is, this is something that is pretty new for me. Like, um, I've definitely had, had experience of it, but the extent to which I've been like actually moving some of that denser energy within my energetic, energetic body, like this is something I've really only been initiated into in the last six months or so to this extent. Um, and so I've just kind of talking about my personal experience which will sort of stretch back really about 10 years. It was around 17 
when my intuition sort of started coming back online, so to speak. Um, but really in the last six months or so, that's when I can speak to this kind of energetic clearing uh, specifically. So, um, and what we see in the world, like there are people that kind of say that their gifts are unique and maybe on a certain level that's true because we all do read and understand energy in a different way, like in our unique way. But to say that access to unseen information um, is available exclusively to a certain person, like that's just 100% not true. So, you know, I just feel a bit, I just do feel a bit sticky when I'm like listening to an intuitive or any sort of person like that who kind of frames their gifts as being unique to them kind of thing or like, yeah, whatever it is. Um, because we really do all have access to that. Like we are all intuitive. We're all psychic. We can all read energy. That's really the first point to really, um, accept and really allow that to settle into your bones because we're going to come back to this. So don't forget it. Um, okay. So the next level that we really need to understand is that every single person has an energetic body. This lives within and around our physical body that we can see. Uh, this is like this is the prana, the chi, the nadis. This is the aura, the life force, the vitality. It is all of these together and it is so much more. Again, if you want to dive deeper into this, there are so many books, so many resources on YouTube about what, what comprises the human energetic body. This energy body is what we use to read energy outside of us and this energy body is what reads the energy of other people. Um, we can all sense the health of another person's energy when we allow ourselves to kind of tune into what they're showing beyond the surface. You know, communication and how we communicate with other people, it's becoming less and less about the words that we speak really. Words are starting to mean very, very next to nothing. It's becoming more about communicating and how we sort of get our message across and receive messages on the energetic um, level. So this has been true for the last century and is only becoming more and more true. So you know, um, you know things and people that will say stuff like your frequency does the talking. This is really what this means. Like your vibe attracts your tribe is kind of a cheesy version of what I'm saying. Like the thing that the thing is, is that that type of like new agey talk, it feels so distant and disconnected to the reality of what most people's energy field is like, like feels like right now. Like, how do I actually shift my frequency? And what does that even mean? Do I just smile more? Um, so we're going to take this and go to a deeper level now. And so really, again, like the last point I made, like remember this particular point too, as we move forward in this discussion, you have an energetic body and the communication that it does. So both how it speaks, uh, for want of a better word, as well as how it listens or how it receives information that's available in the outside world are becoming more and more important every day as we shift into the new paradigm. And so here's the issue and why that like just shift your frequency uh, type message feels so out of touch with what's going on for most people in the world. So um, I'm going to try and kind of, again, like break this down so it'll make sense to as much people as 
as possible. So in third density consciousness, which we all grew up in and which we all live in still, I mean, we can create these little bubbles of sweet, loving humans who have shifted into higher levels of consciousness, but just look at the physical world that still exists and is still being, um, you know, but but we do still physically reside with like that that world it it is being shaken up yes but we do still physically reside in it like you just have to watch the news or look outside of you or speak to Joe Joe Greg down the street um it's and it's simply because we live in this this density that this energetic body that we all have it's gotten blocked it's gotten clogged it gets blocked by certain traumas and events which create these really sticky, dense energy blocks inside our energy field. Um, and this, when our energy is not flowing and moving within our own body, we cannot read the energy that's available to us in the outside world. This is the key. This is why we're all so shut off from our intuition. Well, this is one of the reasons why we're so shut off from our intuition and our psychic abilities and our ability to read energy is that our actual energetic body, which is where we both like receive messages about the outside and like kind of share messages about ourselves. It's so sticky. It's so clogged. And so now we need to address just really briefly, um, because like what I'm about to share next could really be an episode on its own, uh, is what happens to the human energy body when trauma occurs. Okay. So you're five years old, let's say. You're playing in the mud in your backyard and you turn around and there's a snake just like standing there watching you. So I want to uh, come up with a different example of trauma than just the typical your mum leaves you type of trauma, which is, you know, obviously very traumatic. And we all have an idea probably if you've gotten to this stage where you're learning about your human design and astrology, you all have an idea of your particular past trauma. So let's just play with this one. Um, Anyway, so there's a snake watching you. And your heart stops because now you see that your teeny tiny little brother who's been playing with you is standing right next to it. And your body freezes and you don't know what to do. You're so scared, but you can't run because you can't leave your little brother. And you can't fight the snake because what if it hurts your little brother first because it's closer to him? So you just freeze. Your body is literally not moving and it feels like time is kind of at a standstill. The snake, after what feels like essentially, slithers away and you fall to your knees screaming and crying and hugging your little brother. This deep well of shame and pain begins to form in your heart or in any particular part of your body because you didn't protect him, this creature that you kind of feel so protective over. You couldn't protect this person who you feel it's your responsibility to protect. And so you sort of label yourself as a failure. Okay, you couldn't fight. And you couldn't flight or, well, run. You know, you couldn't exercise that fight or flight instinct because what happens in traumatic situations when we cannot actually complete the fight or flight instinct and instead we freeze is that the nervous system kind of locks down and freezes on this particular situation too. And the endocrine system is pumping out all this adrenaline but the adrenaline can't be used up because we're frozen, we're locked down. And so the trauma gets locked into a particular place in our body. And, you know, eventually this is again, like a very brief um, example of this. And if you want to dive more into the effects of trauma on the energetic body, I'm going to put two book recommendations 
in the show notes. Um, so there's The Body Keeps the Score, which I won't try and pronounce the author's name because that will be embarrassing. And then When the Body Says No by Gapoor Mate, who, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right either. But again, I'll put the links in the show notes because they really give a good idea of just, you know, a more detailed and scientific example um, of what I'm saying here. But eventually, after a few years of collecting all these little traumas inside our body, plus all the trauma and grief that we've inherited from our families and from our past lives too, we do realize that our bodies are not a safe place to be and our spirit really exits the the body. So, you know, we start living outside of ourselves. And this can happen really early in life for some people. Uh, For some people, it might happen a bit later. It's a feeling of, you know, being disassociated with yourself, with your physical body. And it's the result of like the root chakra getting really, really clogged up, really dense. The energy is not moving. You know, the root chakra is all about survival. Um, We feel we cannot survive on this physical plane. And so we exit to live entirely up in our mind. And so I personally left my physical body very early. Uh, And it really did take me so long into my spiritual waking to realize and accept this, accept this as, you know, this being what had happened, but really learning deeper about the root chakra and its connection to our intuition kind of really revealed this for me. So essentially when I was born, I wasn't breathing properly. And really from the second that I came into this world, I was put into a humic crib and my first experience of the people I love was, you know, viewing them through a glass cage essentially. And this is true for a lot of births, so thankfully less and less often now. Um, and for a lower amount of time that the uh, newborn is put in these, these cribs. So my first experience of love was looking at people and having them look at me through a layer of glass. So literally being disassociated from the outside world from other people, from love. Love had a barrier around it from the very start, you know, and experience enough small traumas and you're going to learn to to exit your body. And I feel like there are some people listening who would have had similar similar birth experiences, um, like traumatic birth experiences, and this might click a lot into place for you, as it did for me when I sort of started reading uh, a lot about the connection between the root chakra and our birth experience, really. So now, (laughs) taking everything that we just spoke about, bringing that back to human design and intuition and astrology. So in human design, we learn that our intuition lives inside the physical body. Our minds are not supposed to be our main decision-making tool anymore. Rather, they are a helpful analytical tool that like assists in the decision-making process and really like the information gathering process, our mind's super important and, you know, essential and a helpful tool in that. But the majority discernment into what is true and right and honest for us is supposed to come from our bodies now. This is the same for how we read energy in other people and in the cosmos and in nature in general. We don't think these things, um, even if they do appear as visions in our mind, you know, we feel them by being inside our bodies and being tuned into the frequencies, energies, and messages around us. So what happens when we have a worldview of people who through trauma and conditioning and heartbreaking lives of being hurt and scared over and over, 
um, who've exited their bodies and live only inside their minds. You know, we have this world full of anxiety, essentially. That's for starters. We don't trust the wisdom of our bodies. In fact, we really fear it, you know, because we cannot measure the wisdom of our bodies scientifically to prove it. I mean, okay, so think of food. We can read hundreds, thousands of peer-reviewed research studies that tell us how good tomatoes are for us, even for our specific health problem. And yet when we pick one up and put it in our salad, you know, to put to cut it up, put it in our salad or put it in our meal, there's something that just doesn't feel quite right. And yet, because we're trained to not trust and feel the truths our body is trying to send us, we listen to the mind that's saying like, go on. You know how this, how good this is for you. You've read this person's nutrition book that says this will heal your back pain, so go on, eat it. So you put it in your salad, you ignore the subtle and quiet clues of your own body that says, sure, you know, it's good for some people, but it's just not for me, not right now. And really, again, I could speak for hours about, you know, true intuitive eating and the conditioning that comes from the diet world and the wellness world and the health gurus and so on, but that's really for another time and place. Um, This was just a really common example of how we disregard the messages from our body that it's sending us daily, Um, our body intuition, because we're so trained to live inside our minds and make decisions using that analytical, you know, what all the research points to this. Um, We're so trained to put our needs aside to follow the solutions of other people. Um. And so really what I feel like the tr- the fastest and truly only possibly way to reconnect to your intuition, if you feel like you're somebody that has stopped trusting your body, is to heal energetic blocks. And, you know, this podcast is not about how, because the journey of this is going to look different for everybody. If it's intense trauma that you feel like you suffered, then, you know, you might feel like you need to start with a gentle, really gentle talk therapy. Embodiment work might not come until a little while down the road when you do start to feel a little bit safer with what you've been through and remembering what you've been through and feeling what you've been through. And so I'm never, ever, ever going to recommend a one-size-fits-all road to healing our relationship with our bodies because just like there are endless unique stories and endless unique designs, there are endless and unique avenues of healing and well-being. So I can share my path um, in case steps on that uh, appeal or sound good to anybody. So, I mean, really, first I wrote. I wrote a lot. And this is, again, starting about 10 years ago, but really intensifying in my early 20s. So let's say around the age 21, 22, about five or six years ago. So I wrote. I wrote endlessly about how I felt, what I felt the big events that I'd been through um, and really the big conditioning that was on me, even though I didn't have the language for it then, Um, you know, the things that I felt shaped who I'd become and the mask that I'd been hiding behind. I wrote so much that I wrote a book about it, you know, what feels like a million years ago, but was really only, what, 2000 and what year are we now? 2020? I think it came out at the start of 2018. So I really wrote it in 2017. And I think that book is still available on the Amazon Kindle store. Um, and it's called Unhinged, you know, 
And really what that book was about was like, I traveled by myself to foreign places, which was also another massive part of my healing journey, you know, to, and that makes sense with my ninth house North Node, of course, like I felt that to remember that I am a unique person who has been searching, you know, spent my life searching for answers on the inside of other people. I had to be physically removed from the other people in order to to work through that and understand that, you know, for a codependent, this was truly throwing myself in the deep end. And once I felt I'd written my story enough times and really made art from my pain, I started to remember and called in a few different like goddesses to work with me. So Kali uh, was a massive part of my healing journey to really learn anger, to learn and accept my anger, to learn hatred and rage and the darkness. You know, she was really the start of my shadow work journey, screaming and letting myself feel all the unfairness of what I'd been through and, you know, calling in again, calling in deities, goddesses, angels, and so on to help guide your healing might be something that appeals and it might not. Um, There's no one size fits all. Then after that, I started doing regressions. I felt like I was strong enough through all the writing and all the storytelling and having worked with these goddesses to go back and truly feel what I felt like those times I thought I'd never breathe again those times I felt completely powerless and then it was embodiment you know I could be inside my body learn to be and inhabit my body again so dancing laughing crying and now you know again now that brings us up to the last six months when I've really been doing this embodiment work and doing a lot of um chakra stuff even just like breathing into the chakras. So now I can feel a lot of energy within my body. It's dislodging every single day. Like I can just breathe into my root chakra and just feel it buzzing. And, you know, like I said, that's my current practice is just daily listening to my body over my mind. My mind will say things like, like yesterday, I should record a podcast. I should make something of the day. And my body said, I need to lie in bed and laugh at Harry Potter's misadventures and make gluten-free brownies and just eat the batter and not even cook the brownies. You know, I need to rest, said my body. And to listen to my body when my mind is so so loud, that's my daily practice right now. So the journey is not simple and it's not one size fits all and it's not, it's not over, um, when it's not over on your terms. I think that's a major lesson that I've been learning lately. Right, because when we try and listen to the body over the mind, that old trauma response comes online. That trauma response, it says like, do something, do something, you know, or you'll end up alone and homeless. You're worthless if you're not doing something productive. That programming in particular is massive. So um, to allow my body to call the shots yesterday is a mass- like was a massive turning point. And you can feel like when you go against that old trauma programming, Um, that your mind and your body is so conditioned into, like when you make the choice to actually listen to the true deeper needs that your body's calling you towards, you break a pattern, you break a cycle. And every time it's going to become, you know, less of a habit to follow those trauma responses. Um, So, you know, eventually that new programming that says I listen to my body and what it's saying takes over the old programming of my mind calls the shots. And the messages of your body are going to become clearer and clearer. And so every time you choose yourself, you send a powerful message of trust 
back to your energetic body and the gunk gets cleared out more and more. You become a clearer and clearer channel. And so this is all that it means to be a channel. We can all channel. We're just so programmed full of gunk that we believe that we can't. So how does all this come back again to human design and astrology? Well, here's the thing. I feel like these two tools, these two systems are such a beautiful way to practice experiencing the essence of your channel. So if these two systems are something that you're drawn to, I believe that you can read the charts in a way that's unique and powerful to you, whether you just want to practice on your own chart or on other people's charts. Uh, So yes, I am going to go into the different intuitive centers within the charts um, and some of the signs or placements that might be particularly intuitive in their own way. But beyond that, let's just set a little fun homework for anybody that wants to have a practice with this. So choose something in your your chart, one of your charts. So it might be as simple as having the moon in Aries, or it might be as complex as having the moon in Aries in the second house conjunct Jupiter and trine Venus in Sagittarius. And so then do a little bit of Googling to get the basic sense of what what, what each of these things means. So if you were doing the first option, you'd Google what the moon means in astrology. Then you'd Google what the sign of Aries might mean in astrology. And then just get your journal or a voice recorder and just let yourself channel what it means to you for you in your life and how you think it shapes you and how you'd like to work with that energy to use it to its full potential um and once you've googled once don't google again you know so we're working on really trusting our own intuition so just see what comes through instead of labeling it as right or wrong that's like that's not a thing right or wrong is not a thing here Um, And then if you were talking about the second option, you might Google moon and then Aries and then what a conjunction is, then what Jupiter represents in astrology, then what a trine represents, then what Venus represents, and then what the sign of Sagittarius represents. So write a little, little bit of notes for each and then just play around with bringing it all together for yourself, you know, just have fun with it. It's not mean homework, it's fun homework. And so if you want to, you can tag me on Instagram when you do this or even just like message me and tell me about your experience or just keep it to yourself, like whatever you feel like really doing. But this would be a really fun exercise to sort of start realigning to your own channel and seeing, I mean, really at the end of the day, you're going to know your chart the best because you know your entire life story. So this could be a really fun way to kind of tune in and get more information about yourself. So now I've done a whole episode on the authorities, like the decision-making authorities in human design, which if you want to learn more about how you're designed to make decisions using your body, you can go back and check out that. But there are a couple of notes that I want to add um, on top of that that have really come up in readings lately. Uh, So the first is, you know, talking about emotional authority. So when you have emotional authority, you will likely have one or more of these three intuitive centers defined as well. So not always, and please don't think if you don't, it doesn't mean you're intuitive. We've spoken about this. Everybody is um, just in our own different way, but this feels super important to address. So firstly, the sacral center. So if you have um, emotional authority, but you have the sacral center defined as well, then the gut response is your leading intuition. But 
it just gets colored by your emotional wave and where you're at in that emotional wave. So things like what to eat in the moment, go with that sacral response. Uh, For big decisions, listen to the gut response. What's your sacral saying? What's it leaning towards? What's it being lit up by or kind of pulling you away from? And then keep tuning into that gut response as you go through your emotional authority process of sleeping on it. You know, at different points in your emotional wave, are you still feeling lit up by it? Are you still feeling drawn towards it? Or is it kind of like, nah, I don't really have the energy for that anymore? You know, just listen and keep that in mind. Uh, The other one is the spleen. So you do have this, so, you know, you have emotional authority, but you actually have a defined spleen as well. Then you have this instinctive, intuitive, in the moment knowing consistently. It just, again, gets colored by your emotional wave and how you're feeling in the moment. So this feels really important to say. When you get that intuitive download out of nowhere to upload a video of you playing the piano, I mean, really, is anything going to be affected if it turns out uh, you only felt like it because you're at a high point in your emotional wave and you don't ever feel like doing it again? You know, it doesn't really matter. So in those those in-the-moment knowings of it being the right timing, they're there for you to listen to. Um, and again, much like the sacral, like continue listening to that emotional wave as you move throughout the process the of following your authority and sleeping on it and waiting till you're at a somewhat emotional, neutral place when you're making a big decision. And then if you have the G-center or identity center defined, as well as having emotional authority, so especially when you have this center um, and emotional authority, but you don't have the defined sacral center or spleen, then really your intuition is so quiet. It's like a sweet little whisper from your heart. And it gets stamped out so easily, um, so easily silenced by your emotions, other people's emotions, others' gut feelings, others' intuitive hits, other people's opinions, you know, so on. So just really be in your own energy when making decisions, like chat to other people to gather information if it feels necessary. Um, But notice and tune into those quiet little whispers of the heart throughout that decision-making process. When you are at a high in your wave and when you're at a low and also when you're somewhere in the middle throughout that, you know, that emotional authority process, notice around which people you change your mind the easiest, like whose energy sways yours, your intuition. And can you trust yourself enough to take the time away from them and really tune in, putting your hands on your heart, journaling, so on, whatever whatever way helps you to tune into that kind of deep heart whisper and feel what's really calling to you, calling out your name in there. And then, of course, um, if we're speaking about intuition in human design and astrology, uh, it would be silly not to speak about gate 57, which is a gate in the spleen. And so if the spleen is the centre of intuition, then this gate, this is the gate of intuition kind of like in the center of intuition so if you have this gate activated uh, of course it's going to play out differently depending on whether or not you have your spleen defined so defined um, it might be that you're quite intuitive for yourself and so there's this really intense sudden deep certain knowing of what's right for you and also who or who and what is not right for you when you meet people or try something new it's like yep 
or just no, you know, your stomach kind of contracts or gets fluttery when something's a bit off and you might feel energy building in like an exciting way when something's right. And then if you have the gate 57 activated, but you have an undefined spleen, this is the center where, you know, it's undefined. So you're going to take an energy from the world around you. So are you super intuitive um, about what's going on for other people? reading their energy, knowing what's good for them and maybe what they're holding on to that's not so good for them? And is it maybe a little bit trickier to discern for yourself what's good and what's not good for you? So this is where learning your own authority, clearing your own energy field um, and learning how your body speaks to you about you is so important. Uh, there's so much, so many different indicators of intuition and psychic ability and where it comes from and what it looks like and feels like in the charts. I mean, you know, this is like what we spoke about anyway, as many people as there are in the world, there are that many different versions of intuition. Like there's an Aries style, there's a Sagittarius style, there's a Virgo style intuition. Um, but I think I'm just going to speak about a few specific things okay so firstly Pisces this sign it's like psychic so it has access to information um, that the rest of us simply don't so one of my sisters the one that I lived with um has the moon in Pisces and you know she'll just say things and then that thing will happen like she'll ask me about one of my friends and how they're doing and I wouldn't have spoken to this particular friend in a while and I'll be like, yeah, they're fine. Um, you know, haven't heard any differently. They seem fine. And then that friend will text me later that day with some kind of big life drama that's going on. You know, she's not even aware that she's doing it. And, I mean, she's a projector. She's a quad right. She's got a Scorpio sun. Like, she's fascinating because really watch this space when it comes to her, you know, for what what she ends up doing. I've seen her at work. Uh teaching yoga to autistic and kids with ADHD and the way that she just senses what they need, what to say, how to explain things to them. It's truly that. It is that having information to knowledge that the rest of us, like the rest of us muggles just simply do not. You know, that's that's her Pisces moon and, you know, everything else that's in her chart, obviously. But um, so that was Pisces placements, placements, you know, so you can tune into where Pisces is in your chart to feel into how this intuitive sense um, might play a role in your chart. Another thing to look at here would be a strong Neptune. So by strong, I mean, is it conjunct your moon, conjunct your midheaven, conjunct your ascendant, your descendant, or really any other important placements in your chart? Um, this is the same type kind of of intuition as Pisces in a way, uh, though this might come through in dreams or in visions. So I have Neptune conjunct my midheaven and I've always had a photographic memory. I just see things. I see symbols. And I feel like that's part of the reason that I'm so drawn to astrology because a big part of my intuition does speak in symbology. Uh, cancer, you know, I think I'm going to focus on the water signs. It's not, again, it's not like these these abilities are only connected to water signs, but they're the three I'm going to highlight because they're so deeply connected to it. Um, and again, you're going to have all these three signs somewhere in your chart. So you can kind of look at where they do and just feel into that for yourself. So, you know, cancer on the moon, um, cancer ascendant, a cancer stellium, cancer's type of intuition. It's very empathic. 
it's very feelings based. It's body based. So you may be able to feel what's going on in the other person's body, but feel it in your own body. You know, you feel the other person's heaviest emotions as if they're your own really. And that's not comfortable. Um, especially as you're just first learning how to yield this gift, how to use this gift. Uh, but it is such a gift because sometimes all a person wants is for somebody to say, you know, I know you said you're okay, but I can feel how much sadness you're carrying. I can feel it in my chest. You know, is that where you're feeling it? Where's it coming from? Um, and then lastly, so the third water sign is Scorpio. So this is like beyond the veil type intuition and psychic ability. Like there's probably a factor of mediumship in here or at least being able to speak to the unseen for strong Scorpio placements. Again, like Scorpio moon, Scorpio stellium, Scorpio in the midheaven, um, Scorpio ascendant. You know, just feel into your own chart. Um, this connection to something that's beyond what we see, feel, hear in the physical. It's a place... Um, well, it's a power that a lot of the world is afraid of. And so we were taught to fear it as kids and we shut it down. It's like a penetrative intuition. You know, it's, I feel like it's the trickiest type to come to terms with because you really are a mind reader. Um, you read people's minds and they get scared. So you learn to turn it off because otherwise everybody just avoids you and you have no friends because nobody wants to have their minds read. Uh, I was dating somebody when I was 17, you know, so I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. Um, I was dating somebody when I was 17 and yeah, it was just as these abilities were waking back up in me and I'd tell him over and over, like, I can read your mind. I read minds. And eventually I think it did scare him off when too many times I just would say out loud exactly what he was thinking. Um, even though he'd always be like, like, prove it, <laughs> tell me what I'm thinking about. You know, I knew I had to be a bit, a bit careful. Um, and I feel like I'm still massively deconditioned deconditioning from shutting off those gifts again to protect him and protect protect my friendships at that time when I was reawakening these gifts in myself but I wasn't necessarily ready to hold that if that makes sense you know I was only 17 so um and I feel like a lot of people with strong Scorpio placements can really relate to that like shutting off these things in yourself to make other people comfortable okay so we've gone through the water signs we've gone through um, those three intuitive centers in the body graph. Uh, we've spoken about Neptune. I'm going to wrap it up here, but again, we could speak about pretty much any placement because everybody's an intuitive just in our own way. And it's so fascinating to sort of think and learn about, well, how, um, intuition comes through in all the different things within your chart, but it's often hidden beneath layers of trauma and these energy block blockages, which we spoke about earlier. So, I hope that's been helpful and ha I hope you guys have a beautiful week. I might actually do a second podcast this week, like one of those re um, readings for a celebrity podcast. We're going to see how I feel later in the week. Um, it's Mother's Day this weekend in Australia and both my sisters are coming over to celebrate and I am really excited for that. I'm probably going to take most of the weekend off. Um, so we'll see how much extra time I have before then. But again, I hope you guys have a lovely week and I will talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Human Design and Astrology for a New Paradigm podcast. If you've taken anything from the show or learned anything, I'd love it if you would leave me a friendly uh, 
rating a review on iTunes or whatever kind of podcasting app that you utilize. And if you want to connect with me via the internet, uh, my Instagram is underscore Heather Mann and my website will be linked in the show notes. It's www.heathermannhumandesign.com. I will see you next week. Thank you.